welcome to the SEO podcast, Unknown Secrets of Internet Marketing. My name is Chris Burris, one of the owners of EWR. And my name is Matt Bertram, one of your SEO specialists. Welcome back to another fun-filled edition of our podcast. We are so excited. Like we mentioned last time, uh, we are in the presence of sunshine making uh, glory. <laughs> uh, we're so excited to have Gary, and, and I've seen him on interviews. He, he kind of requests to not even attempt his last name, so I'm not going to. Uh, we've got Gary from Google. Uh, we're really excited to have this interview going. So, Gary, thank you so much for joining us. Buna Ziwa. Is that Buna right? Ziwa. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's correct. Um, <laughs> I'm impressed, actually. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't happen often, but you managed Fantastic. to surprise me. Uh, that, that, that was my goal. <laughs> <laughs> well, good job. <laughs> what a great way to start. So um, we've got a list of questions. We're excited to be uh, getting, given some time with you. And let's, let's just jump in. We, we wanted to start with like, you recently, it looks like have kind of a new position at Google and maybe relatively new. Um, how do you like this new search relations team? Uh, when was that group team formed? And would you say it's fair to say that team is kind of a replacement for Matt Cutts? And, and are you, are you just, um, a, a glutton for punishment, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's an interesting question. Um, and, uh, something that's been brewing for, uh, I mean, it's related to something that's been brewing for, for quite some time. Um, we actually haven't changed teams. Uh, we just, uh, rebranded ourselves because, um, originally we were called, I think, uh, webmaster trans analysts or web trans analysts and uh that's a confusing title like internally when we were asked like what are you doing it's like well we are web trans analysts so we communicate a lot with external people and then sometimes we analyze the web and then people were just like really confused about like what the heck are we doing um and uh search relations that describes better what we are doing essentially um and then um we just decided to go with that. Um, nothing really changed internally. Well, nothing at all, um, except uh, now people can understand easier what are we up to, I guess. Um, and as for the Metcuts connection, um, there also hasn't, there was no change there either. Uh, basically, when Matt left, um, then uh, we were brainstorming a lot whether we should have one person who replaces Matt or, well, or not. Um, and uh, we decided that there will not be one person. Um, basically, the, uh, the person who's responsible for web spam uh, position that Matt had uh, initially, um, that was filled with... Um, by one person. Um, I will not name him because he wants to stay anonymous <laughs> um, for reasons. Um, but then the communication side that was replaced by the by a whole team. Um, and we so, some some folks are less visible. Basically, they don't like the communication side of it. Um, but then there are a few of us like John, Martin, uh, Daniel. Um, and myself, who don't mind. Okay, that's an overstatement that we don't mind. Uh, but uh, are okay with uh, communicating externally. Um, but it also means that 
we cause Twitter wars and uh, meltdowns and uh, all the fun stuff. We also re represent Google in uh, in court sometimes. Um, so yeah, it's it's basically what Matt used to do, um, except instead of one person uh, being the lightning rod, uh, now there are several. So uh, I've seen a couple of interviews with you guys and you really seem to have a lot of fun. I think, you know, I'm wearing a shirt that says sarcasm on it because you're, you're a very proud yielder of, wielder of sarcasm. Uh, seems like you guys have a lot of fun doing what you're doing. Like what's it like working on that team? It's probably a, a nightmare. Um, <laughs> so like, yeah. I mean, We've been doing internet stuff for for a very long time. Like if you combine us together, then probably we have over uh, a century experience of, of internet stuff. Um, so we grew quite cynical of things. Um, so there's lots of cynicism going on when, when we um, interact with each other. Um, that doesn't bleed through the public communication well, not often at least, um, but then we still want to have fun. So if not cynicism, then what else can you have? And then there is sarcasm. Um, and um, I believe that uh, we are doing quite a good job being sarcastic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's been pointed out quite often that uh, people like, well, people who never heard me um, do public speaking, for example, um, they would uh, not understand what's happening, and um, they wouldn't understand uh, why I'm why am I saying things and then mean different things. Um, this is especially true in uh, in America when I have public speaking opportunities in in this in the states. Then, well, sometimes I confuse people, and then uh, they just quote literally what I said, even though it was just sarcasm on nice. my side. So, so, so Gary, when, when you were talking about like, you know, Fred, right, the update Fred was, where did that fall on sarcasm or cynicism? And if you <laughs> that, could talk that, a little bit about kind of like the, right. the, the experience surrounding that, that kind of exchange. So that was, uh, that was cynicism. Um, at that point, um, <laughs> that was, um, Barry annoying the living heck out of me, um, with, um, I don't know, we launched some, some update on search and then he, he's been pestering me, um, about why, why don't we give it the name, the, the specific update. And I was like, no, we are not naming these things. It's like, no, we should name them. It's like, no, we are not naming it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he was pestering me for a while. Um, and then at one point I just snapped. Um, and I was like, you know what? From uh, going forward, every single freaking update will be just Fred. And that's it. Just Fred. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and then people just doing... went with it. Yeah, I mean, y'all are constantly doing updates, so it's it's hard to, I guess, keep up with, you know, the naming of all of them. Right. 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 You know? um, like choosing specific names for for every up, every specific update would be kind of a nightmare. Yeah. Um, 
so it's I I I think that um, uh, what Danny did, Danny Sullivan, uh, our public uh, search liaison, um, to name these updates just core updates, and then people stick a name or a month next to them, next to it, next to the name. Um, that kind of works. Um, I I I don't think that it was necessary, but if people are happy with it, then. Like, yeah, whatever. I think they. I think they just want to kind of point to something of like you know what's changing in the Google Dance and kind of what's going on. People are calling what's going on with the weather, that sort of thing. So I think that that's helpful. You know, wanted to kind of transition a, a, away from some of that stuff and kind of talk about more kind of broader broader views of stuff. Maybe you can speak a little more openly. But like you know, one of the big hot things, right? And you know, SEO used to be a a, a hot term. Now it, it became kind of a, a negative term, and then you know, it kind of constantly changes. But machine learning and AI is really kind of stepping to the spotlight. Yeah. Um. You know, we're seeing that a lot in. Um, you know, the AdWords side of things and kind of the, 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 the learning algorithms and neural networks kind of building um, better at, at a lot of these searches. I, I, was, I would be really interested to hear kind of your future of, of kind of where things are going, um, you know, and kind of what, what that kind of guiding star is. I know we can get into Eid and some other things later, but really wanted to hear kind of your broader view of kind of where, where search is going, where, um, you know, technology is going as far as search goes. So right. Um, so, I, I honestly, I don't think that machine learning changes. Or, no, us using machine learning in search changes all that much uh, externally. Uh, basically, the same rules apply. Um, it's just we are combining signals in ways that we haven't thought of before. For example. Um, and I, I do think it's, a, it's making search better um, in a way that uh, we haven't seen before um, or we couldn't think of before. Um, so I, I, I do think that from, from our perspective, this whole machine learning voodoo, um, it's, it's actually a good thing. Um, I know that SEOs and uh, those, well, web uh, professionals in general, um, they focus a lot on the m machine learning aspect of it. I, I, I honestly think that they shouldn't because we we don't change the rules uh, or the or the guidances um, just because we started using machine learning. Um, we figure out new con new connections um, between different things thanks to machine learning. Um, but otherwise, everything just stays the same. So, so the experience that you you're want to provide to the Google user is still the same. This might be a good place to, to yes, interject. Yes. We, we yes. always say on our podcast, you can go back, you know, we started in 2009. Uh, we always say that if you're providing a good experience to the Google user, Google will look favorably upon you. What, what's your take of that kind of statement? I mean... It has to be the same, right? <laughs> um, but but yeah, I, I I completely agree with that, and uh, I was a big advocate of that um, even before I joined Google, like like ten or eleven or whatever years ago, um, because ultimately that's what um, what users want—a good user experience. 
Right. And, and that um, can mean a lot of things, but like ultimately be like, are, we're always thinking, okay, how do you provide that good experience to the Google user? And then like, keep doing that and do that more and multiply it. Right. Again. Right. Um, also one thing that's, that's funny about this, this uh, phrase user experience is that um, most people uh, I talk to, um, they refer to user experience uh, when it comes to the layout, for example, of the page and how fast it loads. Um, but the experience of the user doesn't stop there. Um, for example, if I'm reading Wikipedia, um, let's say that I'm bored and I start reading something about, uh, I don't know, uh, Emily Bronte, um, and uh, there's this 3,000-word uh, article, and I, and I keep scrolling, and I get a good experience because it's in sections. Uh, I can... Uh, jump up and down uh, based on what I'm reading, um, um, reread some parts, and then follow links to um, other Wikipedia articles or even uh, external links. That was a user experience. Um, the thing that I read um, and how that was written and how I perceived what was written on the page, that's also user experience. Mm -hmm. Because I, I literally... I'm, I'm literally experiencing the content. So um, it's the whole thing, really. Yeah, the whole thing it's, it's not just the, the layout and how fast the page loads and where you placed ads or whatever. Um, it's also the, the content itself. Um, and when people think about user experience in relation to Google users, then I would rather they think about the whole package instead of just uh, taking things apart and just like, okay, but user experience is just like how I place the ads here and there and like, like no, it's, it's, it's the whole package. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're, we're in the middle, obviously of a pandemic. We've got COVID. What? <laughs> I didn't get that memo. I mean, if, if you Google that, you could find out about it. <laughs> So what are you guys seeing any trends that are changing be, from a search perspective related to COVID? Um, and, and if you are, do you, are, you, are you guys saying, hey, this is something that we need to incorporate long term? I mean, in the beginning of this whole COVID crap, um, we had to um, rethink some of the features that we have. Um, like, for example, the um, I, I don't know what the public name is for it. The, the PSAs, the public service announcements, or um, like, for example, when you search for anything COVID nowadays, you get um, very specific um, experience on the, on the search result page. Um, and that we had to build out uh, very fast from a product that was not meant to be used at that scale. Mm -hmm. um, like when, when, for example, there's an earthquake in California or in Indonesia or whatever, um, then you normal, like if you search for the earthquake from that location, um, then you would get like a small box, which says that the magnitude was this, um, the epicentrum was here and whatever. Um, but for COVID, we had to develop a complete experience where people could get, uh, relevant information from authoritative sources. Um, and, um, yeah, that, that, that was new. Um, that was triggered by, well, it was both our 
um, forward-thinking leaders, uh, search leads, uh, but also the trends that we saw in logs that more and more people uh, search for uh, COVID-related crap, um, COVID symptoms, COVID the treatment, COVID vaccine, COVID, um, I don't know, South Carolina or whatever. Um, and uh, based on that, um, our uh, path was influenced, basically. Um, so, so Gary, if you apply that to kind of like uh, consumer behavior, I know like, and I know you were on the, um, you know, the, 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 the local team, or I don't know what the right name was it for, but like the Google My Business team, as far as, you know, th- there was a lot of changes um, on how people are, are searching, how people are buying things, um, right. you know, and, and it looks like that that's going to be um, prolonged uh, with what's going on. Well, maybe no, maybe not. There's some announcement today that Pfizer has some, you know, cure or whatever, but um, or vaccination, but you know, like, are, are you seeing like permanent uh, changes in in search behavior? And and I, I mean, I, I guess I guess in every update, you kind of take that into consideration as things evolve. Um, can can you speak to kind of anything that that you're seeing, or um, anything that on, on a broad level um, that you might be doing, or uh, SEOs or lo- local small businesses uh, maybe would be good advice to take into consideration of kind of what's happening and, and them needing to change kind of their online presence in, 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 a, in a way. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I can only speak for search, uh, web search itself, um, well, also video and, uh, and images, but not for Google My Business. Um, so I don't actually know what they are doing. Um, I, I, I see the features that uh, pop up and I'm amazed that that appeared just like you would be. Um, I'm, I, I'm not getting communications about that. Um, but in search itself, um, we, we did have to make some changes. The thing that I talked about, the um, PSA system um, or feature experience, I don't know what would I call it, um, that that's, that was brand new, uh, basically almost, it was built up almost from scratch. Um, and as for businesses um, on the internet, I would invest in, um, in, in a shopping cart somehow. Um, I, was, I was amazed uh, how quickly uh, certain companies um, or actually platforms um, created, for example, shopping carts for, for those who were hosting with them um, and enabled them to uh, continue to remain online, even though they had to close their uh, physical stores. Um, but I know for certain that many businesses are not on these platforms. Basically, they can't get a wholesale um, solution uh, from, from the platforms that they are using um, because, for example, they are on WordPress or they are using uh, Joomla or they are using uh, Blogger, basically platforms that are not uh, specifically created uh, for, for such things, like selling things. Um, and, yeah, and they are not, uh, um, well, they are not platforms like Etsy, for example, or uh, WordPress.com. Um, where you can um, piggyback on whatever was developed for other um, 
um, users or, well, yeah, users. Um, so I would definitely, like regardless of what platform are you on, um, I would try to find a way to uh, sell your thing online. It doesn't have to be a physical thing, obviously, like you can sell, uh, I don't know, web stamps or um, get, get guest book entries or whatever. Um, but find a way to, to sell online because now we know that people are willing to buy online. Uh, they are willing to, to give out uh, their credit card information um, to random uh, stores, um, but you have to provide that experience. You, you have to let them give you uh, your money. Um, and if you don't have a shop, an online shop, then how will you do that? So I would do some research. Um, I don't know, WordPress shopping cart or something like that WordPress, on your favorite search yeah. engine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and just, um, and just make it happen um, because you do have users and they are willing to buy from you. Uh, most likely um, you just have to provide them um, the ability to, to actually purchase from you. It's, it, I think you're right. The, the, the speed at which a lot of restaurants made it available to order online when in the right. past they didn't was like a, an appropriate response to the situation, but still yeah. impressive nonetheless. Um, well, all right. So, I mean, Chris, like even like service-based businesses, right? Like, I mean, I think they need to start thinking about uh, changing how they do business when things are typically like a in-person interaction, right? Having, yeah. and, and uh, Gary, I, like, I know you kind of mentioned before and, and we have it kind of down the list of questions, but image and video, like we're, we're really seeing the incorporation of different kinds of yeah. content um, really reflective positively in the search engine to enhance that experience. But like, I'm thinking like, you know, service-based businesses that are, you know, um, SMBs, like they, they need to provide, or this is what I've been saying. I want to get your kind of input on it to see kind of how that matches up. But I, I think they need to provide, um, you know, a virtual showroom, right. And, and yeah. kind of walk them through, um, what would happen if someone came into their showroom to buy that experience so they can they can see maybe what they're going to get or hear some testimonials, see kind of the different products if they're selling, say, windows or doors or something like that, um, and, and try to find a way to incorporate um, virtually as much as possible because people want to limit interaction. And then, you yeah. know, having that shopping cart at the end. But, you know, I, some of the data points that I remember, Chris, I can't remember where it was, but... 85% of people are through the purchasing decision before they pick up the phone and call you. I would think yeah. with COVID, you know, it's even further than that. Right. And like, you want to be able to maybe provide that whole experience, no matter what your business is online. Yeah. Um, and I would also add that sometimes you will have to think about how to uh, transform the experience because very often you cannot map the same experience, the same in-store experience to online. Um, we see this with conferences, for example, and I, I, I'm, I, I don't mean to offend anyone, but I yet to see an, a, an online conference that can give me the, the same satisfaction, the same experience that an offline conference can do or can give me. Um, because, what, because what people are doing um, is trying to map the offline experience to online. And it just doesn't work because like, why would it work? Like, you don't have 
that person in front of you to read their small gestures, the, the small mimics on their faces, for example. Um, so you can't actually adjust your, your, um, um, your presentation narrative, I guess, yeah. presentation. Um, like, for example, I, I don't see that uh, Chris is yawning there because I just don't see him. Um, if I saw him that he's yawning again, um, yeah, stop doing that. Um, you, yeah, you would probably get sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I, w I would try to wake them up. Uh, I would modify my presentation uh, on the stage uh, just to, to engage with the, with the audience, but I don't see them. So you get sucky presentation from Gary. Yeah. Well, suckier than usual, but anyway. Um, <laughs> But yeah, um, try to think about like, how could you map, well, whether you can map the offline experience to uh, in-store experience uh, to online. And if you can't, cannot, then just brainstorm with your uh, partner about like how, how to um, offer something similar or even more immersive. Um, yeah. No, that's... Yeah. That's that's really really quite interesting. You can't map everything, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, really like when you're talking to people or even like, you know, that goes back to like text messaging or something like that. It can be misinterpreted because you're not reading uh uh the 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 full body language of what's going on. Like uh, that brings up something in my head. I'm just kind of going off on a tangent here. You know, I know that, you know, uh, a lot of things are being recorded through video now. Um, I mean, is there any plans of Google to start mapping uh, like eye movement or um, kind of like what, whatever these, you know, um, wearables are doing for how the experience is uh, in search of like how people respond? Because that, that's something that's extremely lacking. I know that, you know, if you go back to why kind of Gmail and uh, Chrome was, was going on is people were spending very few 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 moments on the search when kind of Facebook was launching and and they wanted to understand what the user was doing not just kind of in the search standpoint at least from what I've kind of read that was kind of one of the initial emphasis of of, of why it was being launched like now with COVID everybody's more online you can grab more data I'm wondering um, is there other kind of dimensions of what Google might be looking at when we're talking about the Customer experience. I know that's way off on tangent, and I don't know if you have, have well, ever thought anything. Go. go. Yeah. Um, really long question. Very Sorry. short answer. Basically, I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, um, I I know for certain that uh, we are always on the lookout for for new signals that we can use. Um, but uh, I know that uh, we do user studies, in-person user, well, in-person, as in we used to do in-person mm -hmm. user studies, <sighs> uh, <laughs> where we were doing eye tracking, but that was in a, in a lab uh, environment. Um, on, otherwise, I, I don't know, I don't even know how you would do eye tracking. Um, Sure. Also, it freaks me out that yeah. anyone would no, no, it, it, it totally <laughs> freaks me out, so I understand. It makes us a little nervous. Yeah. It, 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 I wanted to kind of go back to AI. And, and so it's you said it's, and you may not be able to share this, but you said it's coming up, it's kind of pointing out signals that 
um, are very useful that you hadn't kind of come up without AI. Can you share any of those? Is there anything that's standing and you're like, wow, I wouldn't have expected that to have such an impact. Is there anything that you can share? Cause that, that's like really geeky and cool. I mean, I know of several of them, um, but I don't think I should share them. So here's one thing. Um, uh, people tend to overthink search um, and uh, think of search like we are using all these obscure signals and whatever. But very often, those signals are not that obscure, and they are like right in your face. Um, and the problem with those signals is that very often it's very hard to um, build protections against abuse mm, yes. um, when, it, when it comes to those signals. Um, so it's, it's kind of like security through obscurity. Yeah. Um, basically, if we don't say, then maybe people will not figure it out. <laughs> and then we don't have to um, uh, build massive protection or more robust protections against um, spam when it comes to those signals. Um, but yeah, basically any, anything that's on, on, a, on an HTML page is, is a fair game um, for, for us to use as, as a signal. And then you can combine them, um, of course. And then whether or, or how you combine them, um, that might uh, give you um, new perspectives about uh, where something should rank, for example. Okay, so so one of the things I think you could uh, talk about, um, maybe, and it's a good time to transition into that, is, you know, eat, right? Like, so that that that, from what I understand, is like a simplification of kind of all the different uh, algos that um, you know you're kind of looking at of kind of that guiding stars we were talking about before. Maybe you can uh, speak a little bit more openly on just kind of uh, eat in general and and what what people should be doing for, for guidance, maybe? Um, good question. Um, I would point out that EAT itself, basically I would start off with this, EAT itself is not a ranking signal. Yeah. Um, so let's take that off the table for, for the uh, audience. Mm -hmm. um, what, it, what it is, is um, an explanation for humans, basically our raters, about what, our algorithms uh, are looking for um, when it comes to X, quality or whatever. And with that, um, the best place to learn about EAT um, is actually the um, Raters guidelines uh, that we published and keep uh, updated. Um, if you search for it on your favorite search engine, I'm sure you will find it. I, I don't have the URL handy. Um, it's a over 150 page long document. It's perfect when you want to fall, fall asleep because uh, it's utterly boring. Um, I, I know that I, I tried to read it several times. I couldn't. Um, it, it's just, <laughs> it's amazing how boring it is. Um, it's only in English and that's on purpose. Um, basically the, the, the raters actually have to speak English. Um, so or read and understand English. So that's why we publish only in English. Um, I don't know if that's new information, um, but anyway. Um, so if you want to learn more about EAT, then Raiders guidelines, that's, that's your um, 
your go-to document. Um, if you want to read interpretations of, of, of it, then there are several people on the uh, interwebs um, who are kind of uh, on the right track or are on the right track. Um, one, these people would be, for example, uh, Marie Haynes, um, Glenn Gabe, um, Jennifer Slag. Um, they are all pretty verse when it comes to uh, eat and generally their interpretation uh, is is um, is quite sane um, the problem with eat is that uh, many people try to interpret it and uh, most of the stuff is batshit stupid um, uh, and is that how you really feel? I just, I just want to <laughs> kind of check there. <laughs> um, I mean, I could try to sugarcoat it if you want. <laughs> oh, I thought that was sugarcoated. <laughs> <laughs> no, that awesome. was me. Um, no, that, well, that, that's fantastic. Um, you know, shifting gears a little bit, uh, you know, like something that I think gets uh, undervalued a lot is uh, image and video search. Uh, but based yeah. on like the search volume, I see like huge, huge opportunities. And I was curious if you could kind of talk about that on a broad level, but maybe apply it uh, to small businesses, um, how, how they might be able to leverage it or, or maybe some, you know, examples of people that are doing it right that small businesses could look to because I, I just think it's a huge opportunity that's that, that, uh, in the marketplace, because right. how many times can you write a blog about, you know, um, you know, roofing services in a particular city that that's not going to be um, right. adding to the, the the knowledge base or relevancy to, to what's already been written? But on the image or video side, um, there's a lot of kind of how to explainer and th things that you could do to um, enhance the user experience. Yeah. Um, fantastic question. Um, I love vi both video and image, um, image search, um, mostly because you can uh, discover stuff in a different way. Um, I mean, we've been using web search for over 20 years, and it's been working for us um, as humans uh, quite well. Uh, but then um, sometimes you need a different um, kind of um, way to discover things. Um, like I'm moving apartments um, right now, basically. Um, I actually have to have something that is livable if I'm uh, staying put in, in Switzerland, because normally I would travel because that's my job. Mm. But now we have this freaking COVID crap and I cannot travel. Anyway, so now I'm moving apartments and um, I needed ideas about how to um, furnish the place. Uh, like my old apartment is a is a small studio, so I didn't really have anything in there. Um, but um, now the apartment is bigger. Um, it's a little bigger, but anyway. Um, but I do need new stuff in the in the apartment, and uh, I started as most people would, I imagine. I started with web search, uh, but um, it was just not doing it for me. Um, and then as soon as I switched to the images tab, um, suddenly the idea started flowing. Um, I'm a visual type myself, um, so I can imagine things much easier um, if I see 
uh, stuff. Like for example, if I see um, uh, Cecil, uh, what's that in English? Uh, wow, reading chair. Mm -hmm. Okay, I could I could remember in German and not in English. Wow, that sucks. Um, if if I see a reading chair, for example, uh, on image search, then I can kind of envision that in the room and how it would look like in the room. Um, but if I'm just doing the four blue links plus the ads plus the whatever, um, it's 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 rather hard. Um, and I think that's where um, small businesses can can um, jump in quite aggressively into um, uh, into search results um, because. I'm fairly certain there are many people like me uh, who are more uh, visual. And then um, they would prefer to see images of things that people are selling. Um, I was actually following um, uh, a small business, a local small business, uh, their transition to COVID uh, era. Um, and uh, they are a bakery. Um, they do have a an, an online presence, um, but um, it was kind of plain. Um, there was nothing special about it. And honestly, I wouldn't have gone there um, by myself, I guess, um, like unless I see an ad or something. And yeah, it, it, it just looked weird. Um, and then overnight, they redesigned the whole experience when um, our first lockdown happened. Um, and they put up lots of images um, of everything. And soon after that, those images started to show up in image search as well. And then when I was searching, for example, uh, for uh, uh, what's a Gipfeli uh, croissant, for example, um, then I, I would get on the, on the uh, second position uh, whatever that means in image search, um, uh, their uh, croissant. I recognize it because they have a logo on it. So I, I, it was also like a, a branding thing for them, yeah. I guess. Um, but I clicked through and I bought a bunch of uh, croissant for the next two days from them because I've, I saw them on image search. Interesting. Honestly. If I, if, if I would have seen them in web search, I probably wouldn't have clicked through. So Gary, I mean, on the image search and video search kind of, um, I, again, in broad, broad terms, uh, like localization, right? I mean, I, I'm assuming Google's taking that into consideration with your story right. of, uh, because I think a lot of people have shied away from it because, you know, you say you push a video out on YouTube or you put up an image like, if you're if you can't sell um, like geographically across the U.S. or North America or across the world, and you're you're a local business, you know you don't know who's going to see those images. But it sounds like to me, based on just your story, um, Google's taking localization into yeah, consideration. Yeah, 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 we do. Um, I mean, I was working on that team for. Uh, I don't remember, up to two years. I, I don't actually remember for how long, uh, where we have this um, uh, signal uh, called um, uh, LDCP, Langu Language Demotion Country Promotion, um, where 
we take into account the users, the searcher's location. And then based on that, um, we boost uh, results that are uh, geographically relevant to them and demote um, results that are uh, in a language that they might not be interested in. Um, so if you are, um, for example, targeting, um, I don't know, um, French-speaking uh, Canadians, then you can definitely do that just by creating French pages for them. Um, that's that's really not new, and it's been working like that for for the longest time. Um, yeah, but but yeah, we we do take into account uh, geographic location both for both of the result and the uh, the user. So I want to ask a, a, a question. So can you talk a little bit about Google's decision to include link signals surrounding no followed links, and and how does this impact maybe other countries outside the U.S. more? Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that was one of my uh, uh, most exciting announcements um, in, um, well, last year. Um, we don't actually have anything to announce there, but I, I can certainly talk about like how I envision using that uh, to our advantage. It's worth pointing out that uh, most search engines uh, are treating nofollow as a hint. Um, and they've been doing that for the longest time. Um, like, for example, um, if I remember correctly, Bing never agreed to use it as a directive, the nofollow um, signal or whatever annotation. Um, they always said that they would just use it as a hint. And basically, that's what we picked up to. Um, we, for reasons I, I, I don't know why, um, we, back then in 2000. Uh, six, maybe, um, we decided that uh, we are just going to use it as a directive. But that also blinded us um, in um, many aspects. So for example, if you put up a no, or if you put up a nofollow link leading to malware, for example, then we wouldn't have been able to see that. Mm. Because you put out nofollow, because you put a nofollow on the on the link. Um, same goes for spam, uh, same goes for pretty much anything. Um, and for us, treating, and for other search engines as well, treating nofollow as a hint um, basically allows us to discover uh, these things that might be uh, harmful for, for the users. Um, I don't think that we've ever said that we would uh, want to um, use nofollow links in ranking specifically, um, as definitely not um, in the announcement blog post, uh, but that's also a possibility. Um, we know for like our algorithm is um, uh, like ranking algorithms um, still uh, use links quite uh, extensively uh, for ranking purposes. Um, which means that if there are no links, then it's harder for us to, um, it's not impossible, but, but certainly harder to rank um, certain results. Um, and there are areas of the, of the internet, um, language areas, 
um, where there are just not enough links. And that blind, that basically makes our results be less optimal. Um, like for example, if I'm in uh, Indonesia, um, I used to go to Indonesia a lot because diving, um, and uh, I do speak some Indonesian. Um, so I was searching in Indonesian, um, and I was amazed how bad the results were. Um, and even for common terms, um, like where to buy bread or where, where to buy uh, Dabu Dabu or uh, this weird, um, uh, not sauce, but salad sort of thing. Um, and the results were quite awful in uh, quite, yeah, quite awful many times. Um, and when I got back from vacation and I started debugging these queries, um, then it was evident that the reason for that is that it's not that we have a data void essentially where there are just no results for, or no good results um, for those uh, uh, queries. It was that we were not be, we weren't able to rank those uh, results because for example, we didn't have enough links and we didn't understand, we didn't have context, we didn't have, uh, link choose, I'm air quoting here, mm -hmm. um, uh, that we could use for ranking. Um, and that's not to say that you now absolutely have to go out and buy links like a crazy person, uh, because we, especially in, in the English speaking, um, or on the, in the English speaking internet, we have countless examples for um, um, sites ranking without links at all like without incoming external links. Um, because here the internet is more mature. Um, we understand the web much better uh, because, well, we've been operating on the English internet for longer, for much longer. Um, so you can absolutely rank without links. Um, but in cer certain areas, it's, it's just much harder. Well, and, and that's probably related to like, if there aren't that many sites that have the content that fulfills the query, then, you know, great, you can rank without, without the links. But if you are in a competitive environment, the links start to become uh, significantly important. Like that just makes sense. I mean, um, even in competitive uh, or, or for qu competitive queries, um, it's, it's certainly possible. Uh, one of my favorite examples um, comes from a conference where, um, this person, external person, um, was saying exactly the same thing, uh, that you don't necessarily need links to, to rank well. And the thing uh, that um, uh, he brought up was uh, car brand uh, purchase or something like that, some, what, what, some, some uh, commercial query for a car brand. Um, and uh, the first result uh, was from the brand uh, itself. Um, it was, it's a, it's a smaller brand. So it's, I, I guess it's fairer, more fair. Um, and, uh, then he was doing, uh, link analysis, live link analysis on that specific result. Um, and it was just, it just had no links, no external links whatsoever. Was it a big um, site? Did it have a lot of no, like, internal no. links? No, it's a small nope. site. Yeah. It, it, it was a small site. Um, the brand was clear, um, but then 
if you are online and you want to stay online, then you probably eventually will have to build out your brand um, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it just worked for them. And then he showed, I, I don't remember, three, four, five more examples where the it was uh, he was showing head queries where uh, these uh, uh, tools like... Uh, Oh, I wanted to sound smart, and now I don't know these tools. Um, I don't know Screaming Frog. That's a link yeah. analysis tool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, wow. wow. High five. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's internal. Oh, well, that's great. Anyway, so uh, these link analysis tools uh, couldn't find any uh, external links pointing to the to those uh, pages that showed up in the on the in the poll position. So it's definitely possible to do it. Um, you just have to have good experience if you if we want to loop back to the uh, beginning of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the on page. Let me ask you this: like you kind of brought up something um, you were talking about, maybe more fair, like based on kind of difficulty of search terms. You know, we deal with a lot of uh, small businesses that we, we we work with, and it seems to be competingly difficult. Uh, to compete with the bigger brands. And I've read some things um, about how y'all try to kind of make it more fair. Can, can you speak to maybe any of those things or any kind of guidance uh, to small business owners of how they can still continue to compete with these bigger brands uh, with not the budget and internal team and, right. and, and, and things like that to, to, to still keep a, a level playing field in, uh, in search. Right. So uh, I will go back to my bakery example here uh, because um, it's a small bakery. It's, it's, it's one of the more obscure bakeries. Um, and we have several chains here that would happily ship me uh, croissants um, at a better price. Um, and this bakery managed to, this small bakery managed to beat those chains. Um, one thing that they did really well is to recognize that there are visual types and they optimize their images so they have more surfaces where they can come up in search results. That's one thing. The other thing is that they do something special. Um, they are specializing in croissants. They are not trying to sell me all the kinds of breads and pretzels and uh, croissants and bear claws and uh, Danish, whatever, they are just specializing in croissants. But their croissants are epic. They are absolutely epic. I don't know how they make them. Like I I can make croissants. I bake a lot. Um, I can make croissants, but I have no idea how they make it. But it's just, they are just epic. Um, So there are, there were two things that happened. Uh, one was that people talked about their croissants in relation to the brand name that they have. Um, they were sharing um, the, the brand on social media. Um, they were writing about them on Facebook and uh, Twitter and whatever. They didn't link, but that's not necessary uh, many, in many cases. Um, and then uh, they provided a painless experience uh, for the users to actually get the croissants. 
Um, they were the, the first ones, I, th I believe, um, the first bakery to offer um, close to instant delivery within the city, city of Zurich, uh, meaning that they were uh, hiring people to deliver by bikes uh, or using bikes, uh, the croissants. Basically, they took out the oven, the croissants, and delivered it to your doorstep within 10, 15 minutes. Wow. Um, and that basically, that was what made them amazing and why people talked about them. Um, so you have to think, like when, when, when you are online, um, there are many sites like yours, most likely. It doesn't matter what you do. It's very likely that there is already a site like yours. Um, what you have to do is sit down with whoever you are working with, with your partner, with your friends, with your uh, relatives, probably not with your dog, and um, uh, start talking to them, uh, start brainstorming about how could you stand out? Because let's be honest, like it's, it's hard to be special mm -hmm. on the internet. Um, and it's very likely that you are not going to become special alone. Uh, you will need help. Um, but the help that you need is uh, more people who can give you ideas. So talk to people. How would you uh, make this, uh, this business more special? It might be that you send, uh, uh, I don't know, a red rose with a, a bottle of wine that people are buying from you. It might be that um, you deliver, you do instant deliveries. Um, it might be that, uh, I don't know, you just include a personalized handwritten note with every purchase. Um, but you have to come up with something special that will make people remember you. Because if they remember you, then, then their friends will remember you as well by extension because they will talk about you. Yeah, yeah that, that's awesome. That, so really, you're talking about the overall brand experience, something that we talk about at EWR on a regular basis. And, and really, this kind of goes back to, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking with a search expert, and his recommendation was deliver a red rose with your wine. <laughs> like that's, that goes back to the business and the brand that you're trying to project to your customers. That's pretty, pretty phenomenal. Um, we're, we're about out of time. I don't know if you have a time limit r right now or cause we've got a couple more questions or we can end it here. Go for it. Excellent. Matt, did you have something that you wanted to jump in or? Yeah, no, I, I definitely uh, have a few more questions. Um, I want to just make sure to leave enough time for if there's anything Gary wants to kind of communicate. Um, you know, I want to make oh, sure. Oh, I'm good. Yeah. I, um, I, don't, I don't have anything on my mind right now. So, so, you know, I guess schema, schema kind of here changed recently. And, and I don't know if you can kind of speak to kind of, you know, what, why y'all changed kind of, you know, what you're looking for, or like we, we've started to kind of restructure kind of the, the, the schema that we've been doing on a few sites um, based on some of the stuff we've seen. I, did, I don't know if you can speak anything to kind of uh, schema in general or kind of what, what you're looking at there. Uh, are you talking about the tool change? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so I, I think there's, uh, 
there's a slight misunderstanding there um, in general because we haven't actually changed anything about schema. Um, what uh, we changed is uh, what and how the tool interprets. Um, because historically, that tool um, was validating any kind of schema that you threw at it. Um, and for from our perspective, that was not necessarily optimal. Because then people were like, OK, here's this obscure schema. Why are you not using it in search? And then we were like, well, because we don't want to. Uh, it's like, yeah, but then the tool is validating it. So what up with that? And it's like, just it was just these really weird conversations. Um, so what we did was um, switching the tool to only validate schema um, that we are using in search for uh, visual features. Okay. Um, I pointed out visual features because there are two ways we use uh, schema in general in, in, uh, in search result, well, in search. Um, one is for visual things, like, for example, recipe carousel or uh, software, software carousel. Uh, and I forgot what else. Um, but we are also using it in general for understanding the entities on the page. And that's not visual. That happens in the background. It will potentially make search results better. Um, but it's not like people will have a direct benefit from, from, from them, from those schema. Um, those schema are actually much simpler to validate, and basically any validation tool could do it um, that is following the schema.org. Um, uh, I, I don't know what they are, recipes or whatever. Um, yeah. Um, so technically, from our side, we don't, like, if you are following a schema.org, um, uh, well, schema. <laughs> yeah. Um, then uh, uh, you are already on on, on in the good. Um, you can use some other tool to validate those. Um, and if you are targeting a specific search feature, uh, visual search feature, then for that you have the uh, rich whatever testing tool. Okay. Really. Yeah. Um, I, I also have a question. Chris and I uh, have had some uh, interesting conversations on the podcast about AMP uh, and uh, kind of the future oh, of no. AMP. And then oh, kind no. of one of the things. <laughs> How can you have interesting conversations? <laughs> Go ahead, Matt. <laughs> uh, and, and then, you know, um, something that we're starting to see and, and we, we haven't implemented it yet, but, you know, like AMP carousels, kind of the little preview pages. Um, you know, I, you know, load time I know is, is just one of the signals, but, but it, it's a pretty dang important one, I believe to user experience. Cause if you're on mobile and the page doesn't load, you know, you're going to click out pretty quick. Um, but can you speak to the future of AMP and any of your thoughts on kind of the AMP carousels that are starting to kind of pop up? Wow. Uh, the short answer is no. <laughs> Um, the longer answer is that uh, as a user, uh, very often I prefer AMP. Um, and uh, very often I'm actively looking for the little AMP icon um, or badge or whatever it is. Um, 
And even before we announced it, and we already talked about it internally, um, I was actually super excited about it because I I felt that it can provide an experience which can be better than whatever you can provide on on your side um, using traditional coding. Um, very often, people overload their site with uh, many, 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 many uh, kinds of frameworks, for example, JavaScript frameworks, um, out of which they will use only one or two functions or instructions, which is like, the heck are you doing? But anyway, um, um, so AMP could definitely help with that. Um, and also the caching, that's phenomenal for, um, for, for users. Um, for uh, webmasters or SEOs or web professionals in general, it can generate some overhead because, you, well, you have to implement it. But then if you are on a platform like, uh, or CMS like WordPress, for example, then you basically install a plugin and you already have it. Yep. Um, so it's, it's not that bad. Um, I definitely think that um, in many cases, it can still provide a much better user experience than whatever people can do on their website. But it's not necessarily true all the time. Um, you can definitely nowadays create an experience that is very close to AMP. Um, basically, create a snappy experience just by doing some prefetching, for example, uh, or optimizing what you are loading uh, into the web page. And basically, not overloading with crappy frameworks your poor site. Um, so it's we we are we are getting there um, already even without AMP. Um, and I think that um, that was one important role of AMP, basically making web professionals realize that people are actually looking for snappier things, um, where things is pages, web pages. Um, and uh, they started optimizing those pages. Um, there were many people who were uh, just switching to AMP um, or implementing AMP on top of uh, the HTML that they already had and that already helped people. But then there were people who were, um, or web professionals who were not quite AMP friendly, for example. And then what they were doing is to is optimizing their pages to load faster because well, they needed to keep up with AMP or whatever AMP could offer for users, for their users. Um, so I kind of feel that it, it, in some sense, it started a revolution um, and it moved um, the needle uh, of the loading times um, to a much more green um, section of the little dial. Um, and we are in a better place uh, nowadays. Uh, one of my uh, uh, pet sites that I will not name, but it's CNN, um, uh, it used to load in over a minute. Basically, it, it was just loading something. I, I was not even looking at one point like what it was loading. But their developers invested a lot uh, into speeding up the site. Um, and I believe that that was partially because of AMP, because every other new site um, was creating this snappy experience where you could just click on a res result and under very often under a result, uh, uh, under, a min under a second, uh, you would get a result, basically a page. Um, 
where you could consume um, or experience the content. But if you were loading for uh, over a minute or you could have first paint um, in uh, only 15 seconds, then it's very likely that um, your um, that, that, that click goes to somewhere else, right? Um, I mean, if you are into um, CNN-like sites, then maybe you would go to Washington Post. Um, if you are uh, WSJ, then you would go to, um, I don't know, Fox News or whatever. I don't actually know. I'm making stuff up here. Um, um, so, yeah, I, I feel that it kind of started a revolution and um, the, the, the web got in, or it's, it's in a much better shape than it was a few years ago, uh, speed-wise. Um, and um, I th think that the team uh, wants to eventually build on that momentum and uh, perhaps evolve AMP, maybe? I don't know. Um, I'm not on the AMP team, so I don't actually know um, what uh, their plans are. but. Um, um, on their websites, they usually uh, publish their uh, uh, their plans. Uh, they are not as secretive as search. <laughs> Chris, I have two two more quick questions. Um, I got one to, to follow up on that. So, yeah, just overall, when you're Gary, when you're actually using the web, what what's your biggest pet peeve? Right, so we you hinted there a little bit about time at load times, but what's like overall your your nightmare experience when you're experiencing the web? Freaking pop-ups. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. So actually, there are there are quite a few, I think. Um. So pop-ups, that's one thing. Um. I loathe pop-ups, and I just don't see like why would people do that? Because at this point, um, I I don't think I I would be surprised if uh. Uh, you could convert really well with with pop-ups, um, because I mean everything has a lifetime, and I would think that people got used to pop-ups enough that they just closed them at this point. Uh, so I know I know for certain that their conversion rate was amazing, but I, I'm not sure that um, that's still the case, mainly because people went blind. Mm -hmm. uh, well, pop, pop up blind, yeah. as in. Um, the second thing is that everyone thinks that um, they need 3,000 plus words on a page to rank. And this is uh, very obvious on, on uh, recipe sites, where basically you start from Adam and Eve, um, and you go through how Moses uh, got the tablets, and then you end up at, um, I don't know, Croissant. Julius Caesar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then eventually, you will end up at the bottom of the page in three lines, basically how to make croissants. <laughs> uh, and I think that's batshit stupid. Uh, and I know why people do it, but it is crazy. You don't need to do that. Um, especially for for your own recipes. Like for example, if you come up, like of course, if you're copying recipes, then you probably need to compete somehow with the other site you copied the recipe from. So you might need those uh, um, basically first chapter of Wuthering Heights. Um, but otherwise it's like, 
it's it's just batshit crazy. Like no one wants that. Um, so yeah, um, those are the two things that I'm I'm absolutely nuts about. Um, I unfortunately I I got a little used to slow loading websites, um, so that's not bothering me too much anymore, unfortunately. Uh, but those long-winded articles about nothing and then three lines on the bottom about something that does bother me and pop-ups, those, that's, that's just, that's just no. Make them go away. Chris, great question. Um, so yeah, two more quick questions if, if we have time for it. Um, I have five more minutes. Okay. Um, one more question. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so say a company is um, changing their name, changing mm -hmm. their site structure, changing their domain, changing really everything about their brand, but maybe that brand's been around say 20 years. Um, right. You know, like I know in Search Console, you can kind of switch it yeah. over and it'll carry over some of the, the link history maybe. Um, but, you know, what kind of recommendations uh, would you give to companies that are maybe rebranding to keep up with the times or they're, uh, maybe they've purchased, uh, you know, a brand right. and they're incorporating it into uh, th their initial brand of how, how to carry some of that stuff through. Is there any kind of place to look for best practices or, you know, any kind of recommendations you would give there? Because really everything that I've read, like there's kind of a threshold that if you change enough stuff, Google's going to consider it a brand new site, no matter kind of what, what you do. And I just wanted to hear kind of from the horse. So <laughs> that's, 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 that's only partially true because if you are using the site move tool in search console, um, then um, that will just move all the signals over to the new site, unless you are doing something spammy, in which case we will uh, choose to ignore that. Um, so I, I would definitely use that uh, that tool in in Webmaster Tools because that huh, in Search Console because uh, uh, that's the thing that will 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 make the signals transfer. Um, I think one thing that many people uh, forget when they are rebranding, for example, is how actually people work or how their brain works. Um, and I was tweeting about that and uh, I caused a little meltdown on, on Twitter um, because uh, uh, the, the, the story behind the tweet was that um, I got an email about um, um, basically someone was phishing email addresses and uh, somehow they found mine. Um, and it was a rant about how after uh, a week we are still showing the old name for the site, uh, even though they rebranded um, in our results. Um, and I, I, I just lost it a little because it's like, like I will never do that. Like here, there's a company called, uh, uh, or used to be a company called Cablecom, uh, basically the cable company. Um, and then at one point they were um, uh, purchased by uh, UPC. Um, but people, um, my friends, they are still calling that same company Cablecom because that's what we called them for 10 years. Yeah. We, we are not calling them UPC, even though that would be the correct term. We are calling them Cablecom. 
Why? Well, because Cablecom never actually, well, well, UPC never actually invested into teaching people the new reality that it's not Cablecom anymore, it's UPC. Um, they are still branding some of the bills that they are sending as uh, Cablecom um, member of UPC or whatever. Uh, I don't actually know how to translate it, but they are still showing Cablecom on their bills. Um, sometimes it shows up in ads that, uh, and, and, and then they are amazed that people are still calling the company Cablecom and not UPC. It's like, duh, like you're even telling people that it's still Cablecom. Like why would people call you UPC when you are not doing a good job calling yourself UPC? Um, so I would invest traditional marketing or in traditional marketing in just teaching people that you've changed. Um, and that's a very psychological thing. It's probably not going to happen overnight. It definitely won't happen in one week, but eventually you can teach people to call, your, um, to call you something else. I mean, our brain can still be taught. It's quite a, uh, quite easy to teach the brain new things, especially simple things like this. Um, and it can work, but it takes time and it needs investment. Like you cannot expect people to call you something else unless you tell them repeatedly that you, they should call you something else. That makes, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, we're kind of at, at, I think, at your time limit. So we want to thank you very much for taking the time, spending it with us. Do you want to share with our audience, like how they could connect with you or resources or things? Is there anything you'd like to share? Well, that's your email address. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, my email address is public because we were we published something on uh, IETF as a draft standard. And um, so people could find my email address. I'm just not answering most of the uh, emails that I get because, uh, well, I don't have time. Um, what do I want to share? Let's see. Well, don't eat yellow snow. That's one thing. <laughs> um, second thing is that um, if you have questions or comments uh, about our work, please find John Mueller on Twitter and uh, complain to him. Um, I'm also on Twitter, but please don't uh, yell at me because uh, I'm a snowflake and I would just go in my corner and start crying. And I don't like crying, so don't do that. Um, but don't be surprised if I'm mean to you because, well, I'm just mean in general. As the purveyor of sunshine, I am. I like that. We'll wrap up the podcast with humming. Again, Gary, thank you so much for, for joining us on the podcast. Thank uh, you. Have a wonderful a rest of the year. Hopefully this COVID crap will go away in some form or another. Right. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, thank you much, so much for joining us. Multimask. Thank you for having me. Multimask. Did I say it right? No. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. It's uh, Multimask. Multimask. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. We Bye. It, Bye. Bye. Bye.